and thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Hello, neighbor. Hey, diddly-ho. Hey, diddly-ho. I think we did that in the intro, and we were like, is that Ned Flanders? Is that somebody else? Yeah, we, like did. we did. that in the intro. Tool Town. I was listening to that. Or Ned Flanders. Listener, let us know. Listener, let us know. Anywho's on today's episode is going to be a retake of an episode you never heard before. <laughs> what? Gasps. What's going on? <laughs> About three weeks ago, Sam and I tried to record... Is it three weeks ago? It was last week, I think. No, last week I was with my kids in Disney. Ah, two weeks ago then. Two weeks ago, Sam and I were trying to record uh, an episode. This episode... Great but a tornado decided. I don't know. Was there actually a tornado? Uh, I think there, tornado well, like weather. There was, but it didn't end up coming through Davidson like they thought. But we just no. had the straight line, eighty ninety mile an hour winds come through. I don't know if Sam's going to sample any bit of that episode because we got what like a full thirty minutes of yeah. content recorded and every time sam talks it like we would almost need to have a gate on but like anytime there would be any bit of silence or something you would just hear this wind ripping sound like a freight train coming through i'm sorry i keep looking out the window it's getting darker and windier and windier. <laughs> it's getting a little dicey out there like i'm not worried per se crap i'm sorry <laughs> We are getting smoked right here. <laughs> my trees are bending over outside my window here. It's dicey. Ooh, this is some rude wind. Real gnarly avenue. Well, we just lost power, but my backup generator kicked on. This might be one of the more gnarly ones we've had. Yeah, this is getting a little... Like, I don't think anything's going to happen, but the session just... I think my interface just tripped up. It stopped recording. Gosh, this is a good episode. Yeah, and it's just, it's so distracting. We're just like, God, oh, can we pick up halfway through the episode? And it's like, nah, we gotta, we gotta redo this one. And then you eventually lost power and did a Chewbacca noise. And, uh, yeah, Sam's a big Star Wars fan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's how that episode went. But anyway, today's episode is the same as two weeks ago episode called Stop Running to Your Car. Mm-hmm. And before we get into it mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. take us into housekeeping, buddy. Woo-hoo. Listener, welcome to housekeeping. It's that fun, unique time of your day where you can help us out by screenshotting this episode or a past episode that you like or a favorite episode and post it on Instagram. So screenshot, go to Instagram, tag me at most mastering tag Matt for the record mastering. We get it. A, we get to know this is something I just started. I said, I think on a previous episode, but we get to know the community better this is just an added bonus. The first bonus I was thinking was like, this is just great cross-marketing. So like, you tag us, we reshare, and it goes to like then like 10,000 followers combined or more. So that's great. But the added bonus that has come from that, which may be selfish me for not thinking about this, is we actually get to figure out individually who is listening to the show. 
And for a long time, we've just had broad analytics of like general location, general age, general these things. But now that y'all are reposting, we've gotten to meet so many people individually this year. And that has just been a joy, at least for me. So we have such a good community. Thank you guys and gals so much for A, listening, B, resharing, and uh, helping us out during housekeeping. So thank you. I think that's good for today. Short and sweet. Carry on to your car. Did you ever watch that show, How I Met Your Mother? I actually did not. What? Mm-hmm. There's this there's this whole thing that they do in it. Like anytime someone says like, I, I don't really know what the type of word is, but like anything that would correspond to a rank in the military and then that word, they would like say that rank and like that word and salute. Mm-hmm. So you're like general age, they'd, they'd like salute, be like general age and be like, oh, that's a major problem, major problem. And they would like salute. I don't know. And so you were, you were saying that at housekeeping, you're like, general age is like general age, general uh, location, general location. Maybe I'll have so, to watch it. I'm saluting here in case you, <laughs> you, and, you know, for the attack and release show video that comes, you know, in 2030. Uh-huh. It's going to be yeah. in VR at that stage. We're never going to do video. We're just going to go right to VR. Or we can augment right into your living room. Mm. So that's a fun idea too. I kind of wonder, I feel like augmented reality is going to take over VR. I could see that because I've done augmented reality a few times and it's awesome. Yeah, I really want the, I want that new, whatever, Quest headset, but it's totally $1,500. And I'm like, man, I didn't play this thing like $1,500 worth with like the one I bought last year. It's like this big old heavy thing sitting on your face. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to get back into this. But it was pretty cool. The only downside is like, I'm a dad. And so it's like, I got to like, like you're like totally alienating your whole family for like your right. own personal like thing that you're doing. And it's like, eh, I don't want to be this big of a, you know, loser. So yeah, I never really got around to it too much. And then like Emery started getting really into it and I was like, ah, I probably shouldn't have my son be like doing this and alienating himself. It's probably best that, you know, he play with toys and stuff. We're trying to keep him away from iPads and all that stuff as long as we can. And then he goes to kindergarten, they issue him a freaking laptop. It's like, really? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I've tried for five years and first day of school, here's a Chromebook. It's like, oh, great. That's wild. And now he can navigate a computer better than I can. I'm 33. He's five. <laughs> this is the future. It is the future. Ready Player One it's is going to happen. Faster and faster. Yeah. Anywho, today's episode, stop running to your car. What does this mean? This means when you have a mix, you have a master that you receive back and you're really excited. You're like, wait, I got to go listen to this in my car. We're asking the question of why are we still doing this? And why are like we still here? Like, why is this still, why is this a solution? Sam, have you ever really found a car to be like a viable replay environment? Never. And why did this get started? Why do people do it? Do you need to write this down? Uh, sure. I think you got it. I usually never write anything down. <laughs> You're normally like reclining in that like massive I am. chair. I literally am doing that right now. Lazy boyed out. 
It's kind of nice. <sighs> I'm like, I like rose, like not rose, but like, I don't know. I'd, I know put you, this mic stand higher. And so like I'm sitting, so my diaphragm is extended. So I, you can have the most, <laughs> I don't know, audibly pleasing experience for me. <laughs> And the most relaxed version of Sam you could possibly You get find. a lazy Sam. <laughs> you should get a lazy boy. Now that you're a dad, you, you need a lazy uh, boy. You need a chair. The yeah. Archie Bunker chair. I mean, I kind of... I mean, right now, like I have a, my studio chair, which I think is very comfy. I've had it for five years now. And uh, it reclines in multiple ways, so I have it in the lazy recline position. But then I have this furry bench... Uh, that my legs are up on. So it's kind of like Lazy Boy. Like, I am definitely reclined right now. <laughs> Sounds kind of nice in the winter. It's great. Yeah. Like furry bench. Doesn't really... Yeah, it's like... Something a, to make like your feet a, hot like in a, the summer. Like a faux fur bench, you know? Like faux fur? Yeah. yeah fake. Fake Where do you, fur. What animal does faux fur come from? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. A faux, <laughs> a faux bunny? Sam, let's talk... <laughs> Stop running to the car. Why? Did, what started this whole thing? Why do people do it? Uh, I mean, I'll just speak from my own experience. A two, A two, A two, one two, A B. Uh, Take two, ready and go. Disclaimer <laughs> would be if you like going to your car and that works for you, that's fine. We're not poo pooing you. Um, but I'll say for me, I used to go to the car because I didn't trust my setup for many years. So I would have to leave my less than ideal room um, and go to the car and put it on the car and hope it sounded good. And somewhere along the lines, people basically started thinking, well, if it sounds good in a car, that it's going to sound good everywhere. And I would say I heavily disagree with that statement at this stage in audio. Um because cars are just so inaccurate and so different from model to model and speaker to speaker. And even years, as the years go on, cars get more like hi-fi basically and there's built-in compressors and all sorts of presets and <laughs> a lot of cars have subs in them now. There's built-in compressors? Yeah, on like almost every car, new car, they have built-in like limiters hmm. on them. So you don't clip or blow speakers anymore oh. like you used to. Um there's exciters in cars. I don't know if you know that. There's all sorts of things that happen in cars now that really. Um, just the only thing create- I want to know is how does it know? Like when I'm listening to the radio, how do like how do you beam the radio <laughs> or like the like the name of the song through the, the air? The data. That's what I want to know. Uh, I would imagine that's got to be on like uh, I don't know. I think Tell like. Me, Sam. Radio sends data via frequency. I mean, it'd have to. Yeah, but I think that's like, it comes in, basically, like, it encodes the frequency. Like it reads Morse code. Yeah, that's literally, boop, I think, boop, how boop, it boop, works. Boop, 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 Someone boop, boop, can correct us, but I've looked this up before, because, um, why did I look this up before? Well, I think I looked this up before when I was actually studying stereo and mono, mono capabilities with radio. Because radio, when the frequency goes down, will go to mono. It'll collapse the song into mono. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the time, your radio is mono and not even stereo. Even on like satellite, it'll collapse it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think during that time, I read something. Basically, it's like Morse code 
where the receiver picks up the wavelengths and the signal and decodes it into data, which is just wild. But it's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, and if that's wrong, someone can correct us. So don't be gentle with us about that, about what I just said. <laughs> be gracious with me. Um, I'm up for a fight. Yeah, you know, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, speakers, <laughs> car speakers. Uh, yeah, people go to go to the car to to see if it sounds good, and if it sounds good, then they think it sounds good everywhere. And over the years, I've found that's just not true because um, cars have so many issues with their speakers and the way they receive signal, and there's so many variables too within you, the person, of how you're manipulating the sound. Is it coming out of a phone, out of a Bluetooth, out of an aux cord? Uh, you know, is it being played directly off your smart car internally? That's an option now for a lot of people. Um, there's all sorts of ways to play <coughs> in your car that makes it just endlessly complicated. And in audio, for me, and it's something I've said before and I still stand by it, is like what separates an amateur from a professional is consistency. Like, can you mm-hmm. consistently create the same quote-unquote result and result to for the client? And I think in order to do that, you have to eliminate as many variables as possible. And I relate this even honestly to golf. Like I love golf. I play golf all the time. And I listen to golf podcasts and watch the golf channel religiously. And a lot of the teachers talk about golfers are constantly trying to eliminate the variables they can control. So like the tees I have that I use to tee my ball up, they have three marks on them to show the inches. So I can consistently tee the ball up two and a half inches every time with my driver. So I never have to think about that again. So it's constantly about creating consistent environments, consistent and predictable, you know, end results. And I think that is to me how I approach audio and how a lot of people approach audio is you create a studio room, a control room, hence the name control. It's a control, a reference. A reference like that you can trust and measure up against and going to the car is just not a great place to go and if you're jumping to your car to constantly a b stuff a you're 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 learning how to listen in properly i'll say that which could be there could be pushback but also it probably means that you don't really trust your room now of course, there's probably some people out there that go, no, I trust my room and I just like to hear it on the car because sometimes I pick up on maybe one or two things that doesn't seem to translate. I guess that's fine. But I would go back and still say, well, then there might be an issue in your room still. Um, and to me, the car, what the car actually can do for you is let you know what is wrong in your room, which is something people don't talk about. So like, if you're in your room working and then you take it to your car and you're in your car and, you, and you're like, I just like checking in the car... <laughs> And you notice the vocals a little low, or like the bass is too much, then mm-hmm. that to me is actually a great like little flashing light to say, "Hey, your room might not be as accurate with the phantom image of the vocal of the center image. Hey, your low end might not be as accurate as you think it is." So whatever the car is highlighting when you go out to it is actually probably an issue in your room that you can then go address in your room, so you don't have to keep like jumping to your car. Because that's what I noticed over the years was like when I would go to the car, there'd usually be consistently the same consistent things would happen. Like two, like people have notoriously way too boomy, like low end or uncontrolled low in a car. Like you put it in your car and the whole car starts shaking, and it could that could be a number of things. But really great sounding records normally don't like rattle your doors 
and things of that nature, and it doesn't sound muddy and boomy. And most people's problem, and we've talked about this before, is like most people's low end in their room is not controlled enough. You know, listen to previous episodes on acoustic treatment or holler at me about my curtain wall system on how to control low end properly in your room. Um, but yeah, it's it's something where cars are actually a good indicator of what's actually wrong in your room, not so much what's wrong in your song. Um, that's kind of my like hot take and observation over the years of if you really want to use a car, you can use it to learn what you could potentially correct in your room so you can stop going to the car. So that's kind of my first thoughts on it. Um, there's a number of other things that I'll probably go into later about speakers and the way people stream things to test out and review and the issues with that versus reality once it comes out on distribution on a DSP, such as Spotify, etc., and the differences of that and inconsistencies. But for now, Matt, I want to hand it to you. What do you think about running the car? Did you ever used to run to the car? Um, yeah. I did. <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out which one I want to say first. Yes, I'll say that I've I've run to the car. Um, I don't think it's a really smart way to reference a room. I feel like the smarter way to reference a room is to learn the room, measure the room, and then figure out what's wrong with the room, learn those things that are wrong and what those things sound like, and then find ways to correct it acoustically. And it's like if you're using like bad speakers or if you're using like egg cartons or mattresses to dampen something in a room, then okay, well, let's, and then that could potentially be creating an issue. Then let's address that as opposed to like running out to your car. Um, so here's kind of my saga. I had a Volkswagen Golf, and I really liked how it sounded. And it was a diesel Golf, which is why that's important, is because Volkswagen lied to the EPA, the US EPA, and essentially they were finding this crazy lawsuit and they had to buy back all their vehicles. Well, I liked how my, my Golf sounded so much that I actually found a guy in Austin, Texas selling another Golf and I bought his Golf from him and that became my Golf. And it was pretty cool. And I, I, and so it's like I never really lost my reference system. But then, like, I'd always find myself, like, tweaking songs or screwing with the EQ in it or something like that. And it kind of made me wonder. It's like, well, if I'm referencing this based on, like, an EQ setting that I have in here, it's kind of stupid. And then I was wondering, I was like, well, if I just like how it sounds in here, why don't I just master in here, which was a really funny idea. I never did it. Um, and then I got my Jeep, my Wrangler, which sounds like... I mean, it's about as acoustically relevant as a box as it is, like, fuel efficiency, like, as far as, like, relevancy when it comes to fuel efficiency. And so it's not, and for those of y'all playing at home, um, it's just a boomy brick driving down the road. Um, so unless I'm making tunes for other people who drive around in, like, 2020 um, Jeep Wranglers, then... I don't really think it makes a lot of sense as far as translatability goes. Um, however, 
I have heard a car where it sounds incredible. For my other company, the guy who does the marketing um, for us, he comes to town once or twice a month. I 100% know he doesn't listen to these podcasts, and Paul, I really hope you do. If you do listen to this podcast, please let me know, because I'm finding out every day there's people who listen to this podcast who I had no idea listen to this <laughs> podcast, and it kind of makes me smile. Um, he has uh, he has a Tesla, and when he first got it, I can't remember. I think he, it's like the model. It's not it's not the S. I think it's the three. The three is like the other sedan, right? Uh, there's the yeah. Well, like the Elon X. tried to do the the he tried to do like the sexy thing. There's an S. They couldn't get the E because Ford had it, and Ford wouldn't sell it, and they were going to sue him. And but yeah, they do have the X and the Y. I yeah. think so. I think he has the three. It was like like an economical ish sedan. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he has. And I wanted to listen just to what his sound system sounded like. That thing, like you know that picture where like that guy's sitting in the armchair and his like hair is blowing back and he's like holding on because like the sound system is just like whatever uh-huh. it's doing to him is like like taking over that kind of a ride. That's what it was like. I have never heard a better sound system in a car than in his Tesla. And I'm not really in the market for a, a like electric car. I'm sure as some like regulations in the United States start clamping down on the sale of internal combustion engines, which some states have done and said they're going to do by, I think it's like 2030 or something like that. They're going to make the sale of those gas cars um, not legal. Then I'm sure we'll be seeing that more and more. Um, and I'm sure eventually we'll all have to go electric, but I probably won't be mastering in a car until that happens. So anyway, I love that. I will also, I kind of want to touch on this golf thing you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done a lot of driving recently and when I drive, I have some time to think and There's some silly things that we do when we first get into something. And so, like, the golf thing is a funny parallel. Because if you watch the Golf Channel, which I don't know why I've watched the Golf Channel as much as I have. I don't, like, I golfed when I was, like, I don't know, like, a kid. Like, we lived by a golf course and stuff like that. Um, I never really cared for it too much. I, I I wasn't really bad at it. I wasn't good at it. But I wasn't bad. Um... And but it's like as like a kid or whatnot, it's like you're kind of sore by like the end of nine holes, and so it's just like yeah, it's like you want to like you want to do like like I couldn't imagine doing like eighteen when I was uh yeah when I was when I was young it was like nine years like holy crap and then, and then like you're giving up like that's a long time to play to play eighteen holes, um, but anyway when you're getting into something, especially into golf. What do you see when you watch the Golf Channel? You see all these little gadgets and gizmos and like things to get the perfect swing and like the new like tee that they're selling or the new ball like like this is the best ball that's ever been created or this device that wraps around you will improve your swing or this club if you don't hold it up right will collapse mm-hmm. if you don't have it at the right angle. I know you know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I know exactly, yeah. Yeah, I've I've watched these things. I've used these things before. Um, I need to get out and try golfing again. I don't know. I might like it now that I'm in, now that I'm a, a dad and in my thirties. I might like it now. 
I mean, nothing's wrong with a little day drinking either. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but you always like have these things. And so paralleling that to music, whenever you're getting started in this and whenever you're kind of going down this road, there's all this, pardon my French, bullshit that you got to weed through. And you got to get out your machete and you got to hack through all this crap. And it's like, top 10 secrets of mix engineers. And this is what, this is like what Tony Maserati. And this is what, whatever that guy is, Chris Lord Algae. This is what Andrew Sheps. This is like Al Schmidt. This is like what all these people did. And it's like, but then if you ever hear them talk, they are using like just a little simple process that they made. And it's some shit that you can do on your own. Right. And it's, there's nothing special about it. There's nothing like, amazing about it but it's just how they kind of taught themselves to do it and then what what is it who's that mix engineer who's like re, like revered serban serban yeah it's like as soon as like that gear sluts post came up of his like studio mm-hmm. it was just like like everyone's like oh like like where's this guy working what's he doing and it's like he's just working on like the third floor of his house or something yeah he's in like with like basically some, an, some like vaulted ceiling that's like not really treated and yeah it was like an attic like, that yeah, got finished <laughs> Yeah, I pretty much like reference every like all the low end in these headphones and stuff like that, and everyone's like losing their minds. And it's like, I feel like everyone thinks there's like a lot more to this than there is. Yeah, and I feel like that's all. I, that's like whenever you get into something, no matter what it is. Every, and I'm guilty of this. You go gear crazy. You're like, oh, well, they have a massive passive. That's their secret. Or it's like, oh, well, they have like this, and I need to get this. Or they use this mic on this, and it's like. Not really. It's they're they're just they've just kind of done it, and they have like really nice refined ways of doing it. And I'm not talking like Andrew Sheps being like, oh yeah, I'm mixing in the box because like everybody knows it's like the million dollar signal path that like got to the whole point to where he could mix in the box. And so I'm not talking like that. But whenever you do see people at like the top of their game, they're generally using like pretty simple things, but in order to get to find those things and to where you feel confident enough in yourself past the whole imposter syndrome and all that stuff, you have to weed through a lot of those like top 10 things you're missing in the new isotope ozone or like you're not, if you're not doing this, you're not a mastering engineer. It's like, wow. I thought it was just my clients had to love what my stuff sounded like. <laughs> Their music sounded like I didn't know I wasn't doing it right this whole time. And I think that also chums up to the whole car thing. You don't like like running to your car is a phase you go through. Yeah. Um I know people with really good sounding studios. I know people with like really solid studios. And I have to wait for them to run to their car to listen to their stuff. And it's like, why does this even exist? Because I know that top end isn't there, that you're claiming is there. But your Nissan Altima says elsewise. And now we all have to cater the mix to your Nissan Altima. Don't get me wrong, man. It's your revision. It's how you want to do things. Whatever your Nissan Rogue says, we can go listen to that. But is that really a trustworthy system that we should be referencing? Right. And I think that is a notable thing. So all that to say, I think this is a very 
and I'm sorry if you still do this and you're not a beginner, but I think it's a very beginner mindset that you can't find a better way or a more trustworthy way to reference your stuff. Because what's a, what's a car so, like sound system? It's like shooting the low mids at your calf muscle. Right. And it's like my Jeep, it's like, like I was looking at it, I was like, man, how are they like, like doing this whole sound thing? Because the dash is only as wide as my whole palm of my hand. And the tweeter is on the dash facing up, which means that it's reflecting off the tiny windshield mm-hmm. and then coming to me. What a mess. What a mess this is. Right. And so it's like, why would you ever reference a system that just set up so garbage? Right. And even if, per se, like Bowers and Wilkins and Bang and Olsen, or I know like the new Jeep Grand Cherokee has like like I, they did like the thing with Macintosh, and it's kind of kind of a fun gimmick. You have the little not Macintosh Apple, but right. like Macintosh, the amplifier company that's got the big old green blue. Uh, meters and stuff like that. Like they have a Macintosh system in there, and I don't know what Macintosh did for them, but there's a whole setting on there to where you can have the VU meters bounce whenever you're listening right. to the music and whatnot. And so it's like I'm sure some of those sound good. Do I, Matt Garber, have the upgraded audio package in my Jeep Wrangler? Sure, I do, but it still sounds like garbage. So, I, I at some point we're hitting a point of diminishing return and we need to realize, you know what? Professional people who do this don't run to their car every day to go make sure that some element in their mix sounds good because I've gone and listened to some mixes in some people's cars because I don't know, I was going out to dinner with them. It's like, Oh, this isn't a master. And it's like, let's not, but (laughs) (laughs) we go and we listen to it. And it's like the back of the Volkswagen Passat. It's like the door panel is rattling and it's like, well, this is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Is that low mid supposed to be there? It's like, um, I think there's a screw that's supposed to be there. I don't think it's it's anything. Chocolate wrapper in your door. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is that distortion I hear? It's like, shut up. So, I think, like, all joking aside, there is a better way to do that. Um, I'd like to take the rest of the time, Sam, to um, talk about proper monitoring um, through proper monitors. We're not going to get into headphones, or or, I'm sorry, we're not going to get into acoustics, but I'd like to talk about monitoring, what you're using for monitoring, um, how you know you can trust your system, and then um, I can talk about my monitoring, what I have done, what I am doing, and then uh, if you want to get into anything with headphones at all. Um, just because you and I don't run to our cars. Right. And and what we do and what we trust. And so my whole mantra with my other company, anytime we're running a meeting, is I don't like to create a problem without offering some type of solution. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's sometimes it's unavoidable and sometimes you kind of have to sit in the mess of whatever. But there is a solution to this problem and there are other ways of going about it. So is there any other direction you wanted to take this podcast? Because that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Uh, I like that direction. There are just a few things I want to touch on with car stuff for like a few minutes sure. before we transition to that because that is sure. very important. Um, and I like the idea of offering a solution. 
But before we jump to that, I just want to say a few quick things about cars and why they're like not great usually. And that's because the speakers are usually pretty cheap. And then the way in which people like play use an aux cord or Bluetooth, they're usually going to clip the car itself. And the biggest disconnect I've found over the years of observation is a lot of, not a lot of clients, but like once a month, probably someone will message me and say, Hey, it sounds distorted in my car. When I turn it up, I ask, Are you, you know, full blast on your phone? They usually say, Yes. I tell them, It's a chocolate wrapper. Yeah. I tell them to knock the phone down 2 dB, you know, two clicks. Did the distortion go away? Yes. Well, then it's not the song, it's probably the iPhone clipping its preamp or it's the aux cord clipping the car's preamp or whatever at some stage something is clipping or it's Bluetooth. Bluetooth is notoriously notoriously bad for clipping when it encodes and gets your song from some device to speaker system. Um, and so we get into distortion and clipping and then that's not a good reference because in reality what happens is when your song goes to a DSP uh, and a DSP is a digital service provider so Spotify, Apple, Tidal, whatever if you have like normalization on which most people do um, the song is being played back at a much lower final output than you're playing it when you play it out of an email or a link or a Dropbox excuse me, or whatever whatever you're reviewing your audio from before it actually goes to the public, before it goes to a DSP, is screaming out of your phone much louder than it ever will come out of your phone once it goes to public. So I've noticed when I'm metering, and it's changing all the time, but if you have normalization on on Spotify, the actual output is like negative 8 to like negative 14, it seems like for actual final output. If you turn normalization off, of course, every song pins to zero, zero, and even has overs. Um, So that's kind of what you're doing when you're streaming off like a random like Dropbox or something like that. It allows usually the phone to play back at max volume, zero, zero pinned. Um, Dropbox encodes in MP3 anyway, so it's already distorted before it even gets sent out of your phone. Um, But... It's something people don't understand, and it's one of those things where you either learn or you work with a master engineer and you trust them that they've done enough songs to come out to say, hey, what you're hearing is correct. You're like, you are hearing distortion, but that's not really what's going to happen when it hits, you know, the when it hits the market, when it comes out, you know, publicly, when it hits the DSPs, it's not going to distort in theory based on that. Now, of course, it could distort if the song is has you know, bad sourcing that distorted, you know, it's super unbalanced. You know, there's a number of reasons why like an iPhone distorts um, beyond what I'm talking about. But probably the most common thing that I hear when people are like, hey, I'm in, it sounds great everywhere, but in my car, it starts breaking up, you know, in this section. And usually it's because someone's cranked something. And and I don't blame people. Like, why would they know that? Why would they know that? Like, that's why we get hired to like know mm-hmm. these nerdy things like to know what is really going to happen when a song comes out because that's to me one of our main jobs as a master engineer is people are hiring us to know way more than just make it sound great we're getting hired to know that it will compete in the commercial market and that means you understand on some level what is happening to the audio from when you get it and when it goes out on DSPs so 
that's something I just wanted to touch on real quick. Um, and now we can transition to monitoring environment. And I'll just go for a little bit longer and then hand off. Yeah, sure. But with my, I've been through many rooms. If you've listened to our show over the last four or five years, A, thank you. B, um, I started in less than ideal environments, you know, cheaper monitors, worked in laundry rooms, parents' basement, you know, Yamaha 5 monitors is what I started on. Those are like $250. They have nothing below 80 hertz, I don't think. <laughs> um, it's basically like a car speaker <laughs> and a tweeter. Um, and, you know, did headphones and then eventually kind of learned. I mean, you kind of learn, like Matt was saying, like you kind of get out of the beginner mindset and learn that, oh, there's there's certain ways pros seem to do things. Most pros I know, even if they're using NS10s, are still in a pretty solid environment. They're usually in a pretty good room. The NS10s have probably been set up decent. A lot of those guys don't even use NS10s anymore. They, like a CLA, he uses Barefoots most of the, most time and sells his brand of NS10s now. Um a lot of those dudes that made records on NS10s do not use NS10s anymore uh, for a reason because they they are not great. Uh, they're not a full range monitor. They have many flaws. If you listen back to the '90s records, um, to early 2000s when NS10s were everywhere, most of those records have no low end. Like there is a massive. Gap. Now that doesn't mean it doesn't translate well. It doesn't mean the song isn't great. But even like if you listen to Michael Jackson records, like you can hear the bass, like the tangibility of the bass. But like Michael Jackson records are not low end heavy at all. Um, a lot of that too had to do with the medium of getting it to vinyl back then, or or however mm-hmm. limitations. But you can tell, and I can usually tell when I get in an S10 mix, like. It's like, oh, I, I know what that sounds like. I know where the holes are. And yes, it translates really well on certain speakers, but overall, especially with like new earbuds and new new headphones, like a lot of new headphones have a lot of good bass response. So if you listen to those older recordings, they sound pretty thin. Like they, they sound thinned out. It's like, where's 50 and below? Doesn't exist. Um so anyway, I'm not knocking those either, like NS10s, but there are just a lot more better options now in components, in quality, and accuracy that you can get into. Um, you know, for I'm not going to say the same cost as NS10s, but as you, if you want to be a professional in this, I'll say in this industry, you need to at least give yourself a chance to win and a chance to hear correctly. You deserve it yourself to give yourself a chance to hear correctly. So that might require you to save up money for a while or years to buy some decent monitors and get a full range setup. And I've been through so many different monitors, sat in so many different rooms. I've had the luxury of being in Nashville where I can go to Vintage King or PMC or different places and hear 30 different monitor systems like you know, in a couple days. And, you know, I've landed on a set, like, I love the Barefoot 01s. I can buy more expensive monitors. I've worked on more expensive monitors. I've worked on cheaper monitors. Like, money is, at this stage, like, if if I thought there was a much better option for my current setup and what I like working on and how I like to hear things, I would buy it. But I landed on the Barefoot 01s, like, I don't know, four years ago with the sound anchors and built rooms around those specs to match, like to really complement that setup. And I still have no plans on changing them. And I love the way they sound. 
Um, I love the way my room sounds. My clients love the way it works, you know, and sounds not works, but my work I do. Um, and when it when I do hear the stuff on my car, like when it comes out, it sounds great for a car. Like car only has so much potential, um, but it sounds great. It sounds translates well. I have a little Bluetooth JBL speaker in the kitchen. My wife will play stuff all the time that I've worked on and it sounds great there. And it's just something that I had to learn to trust my setup and trust my speakers and also invested into that. And it's 100% worth it. Um, one of the biggest issues people have, I think, getting to that next level is they're unwilling to invest into their speakers, into their setup, um, into their room. And it's just, it, it's a game changer when you start to work in front of um, a, a great full range set of monitors in theory. Um, because you just start hearing correctly finally for the first time. And in a car, you're not hearing correctly. You're just hearing whatever the curve is on the car. And also, we tend to have this bias, and sometimes I have to tell clients this, like if you're running too, we'll just keep saying Nissan Altima. <laughs> and no shame to anyone with <laughs> Nissan Altima. <laughs> but Nissan's getting picked on today. If you go to your Nissan Altima and you're judging everything by that, you know, 2015 Nissan Altima, like you're projecting that the rest of the world is going to listen to your music on a 2015 Nissan Altima at the same volume, at the same seat position, at the same like body type, like everything impacts everything. So to think that it's a great point of reference is a little bit, it's a disservice to yourself and your music. It's also a disservice to the people you've hired who have good rooms, say a producer has a decent room, the mixer has a good room, the master engineer has a good room, they have dumped tens of thousands of dollars to hear correctly. And it is honestly, you know, you could argue, well, if it doesn't sound good in the car, then they must not know what they're doing. Most things don't sound good in a car. Like, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a diminishing return, like Matt said. And this doesn't mean things like, I, in my, I have a Land Rover and like it, it's very nice and it has dull, it has surround sound in it. It has a Meridian upgraded system in it. It has subs in it. It is pretty pimped out. Like, and it's it's still like not as good as my room. Like it's not, it sounds fun. It that's really kind of like to me, like really high-end systems like sound fun, but they're not accurate. They're like an overhyped, it's like oversaturation in a photo. You're like, oh. This feels great, and then you look at it the next day. And it looks good, but it's not. Yeah, natural. like the next day, you're like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know the grass was electric green." Like, didn't <laughs> I don't want that every day? It's like if you see like if you see like some listings on Zillow of right. like the realtor's yes. brand new yes. at it. Yes, they're editing their own pictures. Yeah, like, and it's just like wow. They like reduce the the noise and like regular floor grain is now looking like a. It like looks smooth, like a river. Yeah, like a river. <laughs> anyway. Cars are fun. Like, cars are fun. That's hilarious. And, you know, if you like listening to music in a car, it's great. And this isn't a poo-poo on that. But if you want to get consistent results, if you want to be great at delivering consistent results, if you want to give yourself a chance to really learn how to listen and see how far you can really take your own skill, like tap into your potential. You cannot tap into your own potential if you're constantly doubting yourself 
and running to a car, hoping it sounds good in your car in that specific moment, you mm-hmm. know, wherever you're sitting. And that's for me why I stopped going to the car. It's why I stopped like I used to like eighth inch out of my laptop in the car with the cassette tape back in the day, which was just a terrible system. And I used to do tweaks in the car, like for clients, because my I felt like even in my room it sounded bad. And then the car, I was like, ah, it sounds bad still here, but I might as well just adjust a bunch of crap. And it would just make things like more worse. Go back to my room, well, now this is messed up. Back to the car, well, now this is messed up. Go to the home theater, well, now this is messed up. And you're just kind of like tweaking... You're not addressing the real issue. And that's like where cars and cheap speakers, they're not giving you a full picture. So you're only getting to see like 70% of the picture or 60% of the picture. So you're just adjusting things within this 60% of the picture. And in reality, there's 40% of the picture you can't even hear, touch, adjust. And those are usually the foundational things, low end. Low end is so important because it takes up the most headroom most voltage in your song. If you do not get your low and right, the mids, the highs, the super highs, everything else is not going to sit right. You're not going to have enough room to make a super great sounding dense record if you do not get 100 hertz and below correct from the start. Plain and simple. Like Take it from me as someone who used to struggle with all that and now I have great results and it's taken me, I've been doing records for 12 plus years now. So you, we all start somewhere but I would love for all of you listening to like be able to cut six to seven years off of your frustration learning curve of like you can make great records a lot quicker uh, if you apply what Matt and I are saying today. And when you're in your car, when you're in small speakers, when you're doing all that, you're just hearing a you're seeing a thumbnail of the picture. You're just barely getting an image of what's actually there. So if you keep tweaking in there, you're missing other stuff that actually needs to be adjusted. Um, and it's usually bottom end needs adjusted and just overall balance. And cars are definitely not balanced. That's kind of what I think about when you're saying like your speaker shoots at the glass or your front windshield. Yeah. That's how mine, like I have a center, there's a center speaker for the surround and it shoots <coughs> right into the windshield. And I don't listen in surround ever in my car. I always listen in stereo because the surround just sounds like a mess. But um, but it, I think about that too. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's confusing. It's a logical thing of like, we are so critical about audio on one hand where we're like, oh, we got to get the room around this right. And so we'll nitpick things and then we'll just run to the car and be like, yeah, this must be a good reference point. Like <laughs> $30 speakers shooting into glass, but in a studio room, in your own control room, or you go to somebody's studio and we're maybe we're not all like this. Maybe I'm just terrible. But you walk in a room sometimes like this guy, <laughs> like speakers on the desk, you know, shooting at a window. Yeah. And you start judging like somebody's studio, and then you'll go to your car where the speakers are like shooting at the window, the tweeters are above your head, the woofers at your ankles, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm gonna trust this. I know what I'm doing. Like it just there's a disconnect. And I understand why we all do it. But anyway, I digress on that. If you love cars, great. If you love running there, that's fine. But I would challenge you and encourage you, try to get to a place where you trust your room and trust yourself to where you don't need to run to the car to double check it. You know, you can build up trust with yourself, with your room, with your setup, with your workflow. 
to where you can eliminate that fear of, is it going to sound good in the car? Um, I've eliminated that fear many years ago. I can tell you, as someone who doesn't run to any other system anymore, it's so nice. It's peace of mind for yourself, and it's so nice that, you know, I'm happy I took the time, took the years to save up money, took the time to learn about acoustics, all that jazz, and invest into that. Um, it's allowed me to get to where I where I am, which a lot of y'all listening, and thank you so much. Like you, you think I'm, you know, great. You think my work is great. You th- you want to be where I am in theory, and I'm telling you that I part of the reason how I got to where I where I am is has a lot to do with my listening environment. Like over and over again, Matt and I talk about converters, speakers, acoustics. Like dump your money in there. Okay, I'm going to pause because that was a long time. Matt, I'm going to hand it off to you. Um, We actually have a decent amount of time left, which is great. (laughs) So, Yeah, we started 10 minutes early. (laughs) That's great. So anyway, I'm going to hand it off to you, Matt. Speak on, yeah, the monitors, your setup, all that jazz and what you think about it. I don't know. And it's like, don't get me wrong. It's like, I'll... I'll cast a little bit of shade here just because I don't really... <clears throat> I, I I more understand the capitalism behind this than the idea, and I don't really n- know or understand the accuracy. But, like, the I don't really get the whole... Someone will have to tell me if it works. Like, so Stephen Slate came out with that, like, VSX thing, like the virtual room simulator thing. Have, did I send this to you last time we did yeah, this did. podcast? <laughs> and it's like, you have Stephen's private mix room. You can choose between all these, like, rooms that I guess they sampled. And you can use uh, Energy Studios. You can use, like, Howie Weinberg's Mastering Studio, which from what I understand... Steven Slate's like little private room thing. It was like he had like the white room, which I think was on the same property as Howie Weinberg's like mastering room in LA, I think. But it's funny because they have like one that's like electric car. So it's like running to a Tesla, luxury SUV, LA nightclub, audiophile listening room, boom box, and you can like like audition different headphones and stuff like that. I don't know. I've been in the manufacturing business for a little while and because you have to buy the headphones and whatnot, I don't really know how much I buy into it, but someone who has it will have to let me know uh, if it works and how that is. Um, That was kind of the first thing I want to say. Um, So proper monitoring. So I initially, when I started out, um, I started out with a pair of Tannoys. No one knows that. Um... I can't remember the model of them. Um, I initially started out with a pair of Tannoys and a pair of Proac 110s. Um, the Tannoys went pretty quick, and the Proacs lasted for a good while. I don't even know how many years am I into this for. I think I'm almost at year nine. And then I think I had a KRK sub in the beginning, like a V12. And then I upgraded that to a um, to a twelve inch Velodyne. It was like a DD plus, like a twelve DD plus or whatever it is. That had a bit of like like low end correction in it that you could kind of dial in. I actually had to buy a PC 
Like, I think I bought like a Leveno laptop on eBay for like $70. That was like really, really old. So I could run this software to like run the room correction on it. Um, it actually worked pretty darn well and corrected a lot of like any weird low end I have. Cause if anyone sees my room, you're like, how do you master out of here? And it's more like, I don't know how it translates as well as it does out of here. And I think the only way it does is because I have a drop ceiling and I have another, uh, about like six or seven feet above me. Cause this is a commercial building that uh, my other company owns. Um, so I moved on. Was it this year? It was this year in April. Um, I moved on from the Pro-X and the Velodyne. I still have them. I don't know if I'll ever get rid of them. And I hopped into a pair of Key 3 speakers. You'll probably hear more about that in the the gear episode, which Sam and I might do this year. We've done every year, but it's on the schedule. Don't worry about it. It's going to be done this year. and I absolutely love them. I have no idea how they do what they do. I believe each one has a 1,500-watt amplifier in it. And you can be, like, blasting, like, music as loud as you want, like, as much low-end as you want, and then you kind of stick your head behind it. Like, my the speakers are kind of speaking into a corner. Like the corner is treated. And it's like you cannot hear any low-end, like, around the cabinet. It's just all nulled out via the little technology that they have with it. And if anyone knows how much I like Grim cables, the guy who did the Grim, I think it's the LS1, I think is what they're called. Um, they, those are the the speakers that Grim did. Um, the guy who designed those is the guy who went on to do the Key 3s. So these are the tops, and I do think I've done these long enough to where... I think I want to get the BXT extensions and kind of have the whole dual sub thing going on. And I can get rid of my sound anchors. And that would be really freaking cool. But anyway, like we have episodes on <clears throat> we have episodes on acoustics that I would definitely encourage anyone to listen to. Um, you'll understand more about the naked listen. You only know that if you listen to the episode. Um, And that's essentially you, whenever you have a new room, you set up your speakers in the position they're going to be in, in the room without any treatment on the wall or anything going on. And I I don't know, I do things a lot different. I I don't measure first. Like I go around in my room and I like clap a bunch and stuff like that and kind of listen to the slap echo and what's all going on. I will run a bunch of those like, like room mode tests and um, I'll listen to a reference playlist that I have. If you don't have a reference playlist, I highly recommend um, you get one. I have one that's kind of my main one. You're more than welcome to use mine. It's always, it's kind of like always updating um, as I find songs that are like a better fit for um, how I like to listen. And But the goal is really to not really have it be updated, but just to be a, a reference, of a slew of songs that you can reference that you can listen to it in any room and you can know how those songs should sound. And then if that room sounds different, you kind of have an idea of how that room may be um, fighting against you or working with you or whatnot. Um, you're more welcome to find mine. I don't have my Spotify. I use Spotify. A lot of people don't use, don't use that, but I do. Um uh, mine 
little name isn't Matthew Garver. I actually can't. I I deleted my Facebook and I was like, oh no, my Spotify went away. And so I made another Spotify and I got Facebook back a year later. And I was like, oh, I never really connected these back. So my little screen name on there is Axel Rosenberg. So if you ever are browsing Spotify, you can look up Axel Rosenberg and go look up reference playlist. I think it's two. One is like a really long thing, but, and then I also, no one knows this. I actually make playlist every single month I have since 2016 of music that inspires me that month that might make it onto the reference playlist. But if you want to listen to what I was listening to back in 2018 that inspired me, you can go back and listen to that. Um, And I can't categorize it all by month. But I highly recommend you have some type of reference playlist that you can listen to in any environment and you can understand what the room's doing. And then... um, I would I would highly recommend measuring the room and confirming your suspicions with what you think is going on, but it's like just sit and listen and just listen to what the room's doing. And um, I do things very unorthodox, like I'll like kind of treat based on what I'm hearing, and I like using a lot more diffusion than a lot of people do. Um, I do normally work in smaller rooms, but uh, just kind of how I work. And uh, yeah. I highly recommend the keys if you can get them. You'll hear about it more in the gear episode. Um, but, oh, also, don't pay full price for them. That's really stupid. They don't, for some reason, the resale is horrible. Um, I would not recommend buying them new. Um, sorry, um, key distributors. Um, and then for uh, headphones that I reference, I really want to figure out some type of a mobile rig, which is probably an episode coming next year. Do you do it? Do you not do it? Um, like I, I was just out of town for six days and like, I had like a handful of things that like I needed to like tend to it just like, Hey, can we have like this, like this and this, like this? And it's like, yeah, sure. I can do that. And I have a pretty good like headphone rig, but it's like, I don't know how much I trust it. So I might want to look into some higher end headphones, but um, Sam uses the the headphones by Olo. I don't know if he's told anyone that. Yeah. Um, I love Olo headphones. Yeah. I use, I currently use still the Biodynamic DT770s. I mean, you're going to find them now for $150, but also kind of remember, I don't know, like whoever was around and kind of doing this 10, however many years ago. Those speakers used to be every bit of $500. And then they came out with like the higher end ones and with like the open back and everything. And um, I actually don't think they translate as well. And so the DT770s, everyone's like, oh, well, it's lacking low end. It's like, well, a little more low end into it. Um, I think they're pretty darn accurate. I think it's only lacking low end if you have a really crappy preamplifier. But if you're running a more modern, let's just say Mac, like a laptop or something like that, they're they're really updating like the the juice that can be put out of that preamp. And so they can drive higher resistance, uh, resistance headphones. I use the two fifties just because I wanted to be bougie like that. I've listened to, I think it's the nineties, which is the lower, it just is the lower resistance one. And I can't hear a difference at all. Um, I just thought I'm actually wearing those headphones right now. And they, and Sam, you sound fantastic. (laughs) Um, I want to try Odyssey's headphones. Um, I've seen some people, uh, ooh and ah over them. Um, I actually have a pair. It's like, I don't really play video games a lot. Um, but it's like, if I ever just have, like if my wife and kids ever go down to her parents for a weekend and I got nothing to do, it's like, yeah, sure. I'll play video games for a while. And I actually have like a pair of like Odyssey 
like they have like a gaming headphone and I got those and it's it's crazy how like immersive those headphones are and that's just their little gaming platform I can't imagine the ones for um actual production they're like bigger than your head though and I and and they do get a bit heavy I will say that um and then this is kind of stupid but kind of funny um I use I use AirPods quite a bit um I've said this before, I don't think we've ever lived in a time in modern history or any history where you could probably buy a pair of headphones and and use as a reference and them be yeah, I don't know, and be 80 to 90% accurate on what the rest of the world is going to listen to their to your master on. And so whether it's uh, AirPods or whether it's, whether it's the Pros, um, I've given Apple a lot of money for AirPods. Um, the thing that sucks about the Pros is they don't last long. Um, I've gone through three pairs of the first generation Pros, and they just die. Like you just get like static in one ear or something like that. And uh, right before this phone call, I was using I bought a second gen version, and I actually think they're cheaper than the first gen was. Um, they're fine. They're nothing like mind blowing. I'd still buy the first gen. I don't know how they're going to hold up quality wise. And even like the regular AirPods are a little bit muffled for me. I'm not really the biggest fan and they kind of hurt. Um, but besides that, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of what I use. Um, also, I, it, you're kind of mistaken if you don't think a DAC matters. Um, so a, a digital, uh, what is it? Sam, help me out here. Digital. <laughs> what's da- digital? The analog what's converter DAC. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, brain it's fart. Right. It's it's six p.m. here. Been awake since. Been awake for about twelve hours. Um, I did owe the DAC. I have the Cord Mojo for my yeah for my headphones. I use the DAC by Little Labs. The Little Labs monitor. I really want to try. Like I want to try every DAC there is. I really want to try the. Um, the Grace M900. It's just this like little tiny box that USBs into your computer. That's kind of cool. So, oh, and I mean, I mean, Neve makes one. There's there's a lot of companies that make pretty solid like headphone pre DACs. And actually, the head little the little labs monitor is more of a. It's not a DAC. I wouldn't say. I would say it's more of a headphone amplifier, but. I'll tell you what, I've never said this on the air before. <laughs> the way that the DT, the Biodynamic 770s sounded through the Little Labs monitor was so much better than my mastering setup, the Pro-X with the Velodyne, that it actually forced my hand to buy the Key 3s. Because it showed me how much I wasn't getting. Mm-hmm. And it was that shocking of a difference that I ended up getting um, the keys. So a DAC 100% matters. And if you want your jaw to hit the floor, the lab monitor is pretty nice. Um, yeah, I kind of want to try the one that you have as well. I'm, I'm, all about, I'm all about trying different things to see what can work and more economic, not ec- not economical, but be- better like ergonomical workflows. Right. 
It's like, I don't really think economic, and this is going to sound like a dick. I don't really think economics should play, should play a part because I think you should buy as much as you can afford. I don't really think there's any benefit in being cheap. Because it's like, okay, you got some more money in your pocket now, but you're just going to go blow that on beer or some stupid crap. It's like, why don't you, like, if you were, you could invest it into, like, a good monitoring setup or good acoustics or a better way of doing X, Y, and Z, and it's literally an investment that will come back to you. Yeah. And, like, investing in something that's going to make you money just makes sense. It's like, okay, I go buy a massive passive for however many, many thousands of dollars, like we act like the transaction ends there and as opposed to how much money that's going to make you because it's going to make you work more efficiently and it's going to make you more confident in what you're doing because what you're submitting is better arguably because you are using a high-end equalizer as opposed to, I don't know, not. And I'm not saying you like you who do not have the massive passive are missing out. I do think you're missing out, but... Um, I do think that, yes, I might sp- spend, I don't know how many thousands of dollars new massive passives are. I think I actually got mine for like $4,500. I got a really good deal um, on a mastering version. But it's like, Sam, how many thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars has your massive passive made you since you bought it? Uh, just so much. <laughs> You almost you almost can't calculate it. So <laughs> yes, I can't calculate. Like how much, it. I'm so yeah. rich. <laughs> I have so I much just money. I can't it's even raining. see it anymore. The stacks of money that surround it. I, I can't even see my hand in front I of my face. Even, just money falling I everywhere. Just, get back to. I'll know. get back to you on it. I don't. Long story long. I don't think that. I don't think that economics should really play a part. It's like, oh, well, I only have so much money. It's like, okay, we'll save up and right. just. It's like wait until you can just drop a chunk of cash, right? Because it's not gonna, you're not gonna lose money. And if you are afraid, then just demo it, demo something beforehand. Yeah, you um, also never regret investing into yourself. Like, yeah, you just. I'm not gonna cut you off, but. Trust yeah, me and Matt, dumb. like, I'm 34 now. I started in audio when I was probably an eight, at like 18, 17. You're so old. Yeah, I know. But as someone who's old now, I want you all to succeed and have so much money that you can't see your gear that if you just <laughs> apply what Matt and I are saying, just save your money. When all the other people are just like, oh, buy this, buy this for half cost, uh, I'll buy that because it's a thousand bucks less. Save up for three more years, buy the thing that is awesome, and you will love yourself <laughs> even more. Like every day I see the gear that I finally own that has taken me seven, took me seven years to get everything I have, which sounds like a long time, but it really was quick. Um, and it required lots of saving and sacrifice and working hard. But every day when I walk in my room, I'm like, oh my gosh. I just smile. Like, I'm just like, I, I, I even greet my room, which is cheesy. But I always say like... It's very like Marie Kondo. Yeah, no, I literally like thank my room when I enter and leave it. Because it is just a joy to know, A, I personally sacrificed, personally invested, personally made the choices to get you know, what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And then I know it's also 
creating great consistent results and helping create great art for my clients. Like it is, it will return tenfold as cheesy and mm. woo woo as that sounds. Like Matt is right. Like the massive passive has paid for itself a hundred times over. Like it's, it's a blip. It's probably now. an understatement. Yeah, it's just a blip. Like all of the gear is a blip now at this stage. And at the time, it was so scary. And I remember like buying the massive passive was one of the most expensive things I bought. Mm-hmm. I remember talking with my wife for months about it. You know, talking mad about it, talking like, but I figured out which one I wanted. You know, do I want the purple, the mastering silver? You know, I spent time, did my research, did my homework, and then made the purchase. And it still sits here and gets used all the time. And it's awesome. Okay, sorry, done, Matt. And your wife still doesn't care. No, she's happy because <laughs> I have a job. <laughs> yeah. So. You know? Yeah, I, 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 I just don't think that there's any real argument about, or I don't think there's really much argument around staying cheap. And it's like, if you want something, just save your money and just make it happen. Um, I mean, and the funny thing is, is that like, back to the car argument is you probably have one of the best sounding cars out there, arguably, Pretty nice, yeah. and it's like there's no. And you're like, yeah, there's no real reason to reference. You have surround in your car. You could do Atmos in your car. I could, yeah. It's got Dol- it's Dolby equipped. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't. Uh, if you can make, if you can make it work, I would highly recommend um, investing in the acoustics. Investing in. Um, kind of your environment around you, and if you're in a situation to where you can't invest into say like proper monitoring and you have to work in headphones. It's like, well, find a headphone rig that you can trust. Um, it's like SPL makes that fonitor, which is like, you can literally introduce crossfeed into this to create a room in your headphones. And it's like, if you're in an apartment or something and like really thin walls and stuff, you can't make it work, but it's like, there's really good headphones out there and there's really good, like Dax and Pre's and whatnot out there that you can totally make this work. Um, I highly recommend kind of doing a little bit of exploration. And I don't think your, what do we say, 2012 Nissan Altima is really going to serve you too well. So, Or you're going to be like me. You're going to kind of rely on your car too much and you're going to have to buy another one. <laughs> Hopefully it didn't change your sound system. So anywho, I think that's all I got. Great, um, I'm done. Yeah, stop running to your car, and that's a wrap. Woo-hoo. So, do you have anything else? I'm good. I got some some dinner to to cook up here. What you making? Uh, I have uh, chicken tenderloins. That's nice on the grill. Yeah, I um the Traeger delivers. Yeah, chicken tenderloins are just so healthy and most people don't realize like when you buy chicken tenders I mean obviously if they're like deep fried whatever you got a little bit of fat on there that might be not great but chicken tenderloins are like high protein next to no fat like one gram per 20 grams protein so anyway chicken tenders are great for you in my opinion I want to try to get a 
I'm gonna try to get a grill behind the office so Ooh, I yeah. can just grill out every day. Just like have a ton of meat in the fridge. But I'm gonna make a chicken, uh, a grilled chicken tenderloin Caesar salad is what I'm making tonight. Dang. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. wrong with that. No. Oops. Smash my hand into my desk. <laughs> so anyway, that's what Sam and I talk about pretty much before and after. It's food. <laughs> what we're calls. eating before and after. Yeah. Or we're grilling or something like that. So anywho, wrapping up this episode, the sweet beat in the background was made once again by Sam. If you wouldn't mind... Just giving him some love, giving him some thanks and some praise and being like, thank you so much for making these. He does a new one every single time and they're fantastic. So if you don't mind just saying thanks for putting these episodes together. And I mean, I don't know how many compliments I've gotten for how the podcast sounds, but I know within the past like two or three weeks, it's been a handful. And I'm like, don't thank me. Go write Sam and say thanks (laughs) because this is... I don't do any of it. I'm just the, I'm just the, the the pretty face on the other end. No one sees. <laughs> so, the face for radio. So, um, yeah. Say thanks to Sam. If uh, you need a mastering engineer, Sam can be found at for he can be found at for the record. Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at for the record mastering. Uh, we'd both love to help take your records across the finish line, and uh, yeah, just kind of put that professional. A little touch to it and send it off into the beautiful ears of your listeners. Um, if you wouldn't mind, uh, as Sam said in the beginning, go uh, take a screenshot of this moment right now and post that on Instagram, on Facebook, whatever. Just say, hey, I just got finished listening to this sweet podcast by Matt and Sam. Y'all are missing out because you're not listening to it. You should be listening to it. And you have 127-odd episodes to catch up on. And yeah, that'd be awesome. So I think that's all I got. I don't know what I'm having for dinner. I got to ask my wife what we're doing for dinner. Um, But yeah, morning, afternoon, even, whatever you're having, have it on good one. We should end these podcasts by talking about dinner. What are we doing for dinner that night? Okay, I love it. We'll do that. That's a cool new way to end. That might be a 2023 season six kind of thing. You know, you just just keep it all. What you grilling tonight? What you grilling tonight? I'll have to like message my wife every time and be like, what are we doing tonight? We're grilling tonight. Love it. Anywho, morning, afternoon, evening, wherever y'all having, have a darn good one. Thank you for being you. You make the podcast pretty much what it is. And so we appreciate you. See y'all in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Oh!